You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. So welcome to today's Coaching Inn and I'm in conversation with Nisha Patel who put the most interesting thingy on LinkedIn. <laughs> and I'm going to read you what she said because I think it's such an interesting question. She said, if coaching is a partnership, should the coach's experience and thinking be shared more freely? And then and then Nisha talks about what she's thinking and wondering and all those good things. So I just said, rather than respond, why don't we just talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Nisha, welcome. Thank you, Claire. And thank you so much for having me as well. And for responding to that post, I... Yeah, I'll just introduce myself. Um, I'm Nisha Patel. I'm an integrative coach, a supervisor and a trainer. I do a lot of my work through organisations. I have a very small private practice. I like it that way. I'm not great in the marketing side of things. Um, and so much of my work now seems to be about testing almost the boundaries on coaching and seeing really what I've learned, what I've been doing, if that's it um and kind of seeing where we're going to take coaching in the future as the industry keeps growing as we get more professional coaches and just being a part of that edge of coaching I guess how exciting the edge I, yeah exactly and I think that's where this question really came from yeah. is as I've been going through this journey I've sort of been going okay coaching is a partnership we're not doing coaching to the client or to the coachee so if it's a partnership, what's the coach's role? And shouldn't we be a part of this more rather than constantly eliciting everything from the client? And that's not to impose things onto the client, but more to go, shouldn't we share our ideas? And isn't it a great idea to perhaps just be more open about our experiences and more relatable and is that where coaching could benefit? And that what would that do to the boundary between coaching and mentoring? Well, I think there's that boundary, but I also think there's this the un it's almost like this unknown boundary that's also happens with coaching and therapy, coaching yeah. counseling, yeah. right? It's all the modalities. And Part of it is also where we've got coaches who are training as therapists, counsellors who do mentoring as well as coaching, but equally the other way, mentors, um, counsellors and therapists, trainings, coaches. There's this blended space in the middle that if we move from one modality to the other discreetly, I wonder what the impact of that is on the client rather than simply blending it in and a thoughtful considered way for the clients or indeed if we do it with permission explicitly yeah. I, I something you said just kind of went yeah. ping for me then and it's it's the thing about partnership because mm. that's my thing you know yeah. what does partnership look like and I've done such a lot of thinking about it and I think one of the things for me is you help me articulate in what you said, a question that I'd not been able to articulate. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah. And the question is something about what is partnership that means we're not a bot? Because there's a there's a 
there's there's a look of partnership that makes yes. the coach look like the wall. Yeah. Completely and, that. Yeah. And that's and that's not partnership. And actually that's that can be experienced as hugely abusive. And one of the things that I notice when I'm mentoring coaches is that when someone comes for coaching who doesn't mm-hmm. want to be there, yeah, doesn't get that they have to do the work. Mm-hmm isn't really in the mood to do work, never thought that doing work was on the table, it can turn into that partnership that looks like the walls talking to them. And then they don't don't like it, they don't engage, they don't have trust, all of those interesting things. So there's, uh, yeah, and and then there's the question of how do we do what we do and still allow the other person to be the, the right size and the person that they need to be without us dominating accidentally yeah. with stuff. It's, oh God, it's, it's tricky. So this part about the um, bot bit almost is, um, I think that's where a lot of coaches start. It's, it's yeah, where I'm absolutely Right. Like it's very mechanical. It's very structured. Um the skill of actually delivering coaching, I think, can be learned very quickly. The heart of coaching and being yourself as the coach and that relational piece, it's taken me a very long time to crack that bit of it because I didn't realise how important it was. I understood it logically, but I didn't feel it. And it wasn't until I experienced it mm-hmm. that I suddenly went, oh, that's what it is. This, this being seen and held and felt and connected to the other person. And what connected me, interestingly, was a sense of a shared experience, that they were willing to be vulnerable with me in the space that allowed me to be more vulnerable. And that's where part of this is coming from for me is if I hadn't experienced that, and I can't believe I hadn't experienced it till that point, but it's a very unique quality that someone can offer. Welcome to my next book, by the way. Okay, Okay, good. So I'm not not going off in a crazy direction here. There's something here. No, but I think you've, that there's some gold in what you've said. And that is that you experienced deeply partnered coaching and you and you said that was what shifted you and I think one of the one of the challenges around the volume of coaching training that there is yes is that well certainly when I work with people in some training spaces there are some training courses where they've never been coached except by other students Uh and they've never seen anyone coaching yeah so so you're describing this as something about about the experience of feeling it yes. has changed how you are uh, absolutely and i guess i guess what's also challenging is is what you said there in terms of the coach training and receiving coaching from other people the crazy thing is, I have had quite a lot of coaching 
and I've had experienced therapy and I've experienced counseling. And it wasn't until this moment, several years in, mm. with a coach who had this particular resonance that I went, mm. oh, I've missed something. And how have I got to this point with my background, my experience, and the work that I've been doing to not have fully understood that? And I'm putting myself out there sort of going, shoot, I've been doing this for years. But I think it is truly rare that someone can do that. And I wonder, yeah. this is just a kind of thought experiment wonder, I wonder whether there's something about experiencing being in partnership with someone who's able to do that. And I also wonder about our readiness to be in that space. So I've just done this walk on the Camino. And one of the things that I was thinking, well, I was thinking about a lot of things, but one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, walking day in, day out, you have a lot of time to think. Uh, (laughs) There was something about, if I was coaching the people who I'm walking with, who I've just met, who just walked past and said, hello, do you speak English? If I started coaching them, that wouldn't be partnership because I would be doing it without permission and I would be taking a bit of myself out of it in order for it to be about them. And that isn't Mm -hmm. right without consent. So I was thinking that. But the other thing that I was thinking was the people on this walk, they call pilgrims and pilgrims are, Mm -hmm. you know, a bit adventurous, crazy man. (laughs) exploring doing all those things but one of the things that I thought was there's a real different quality when you're coaching somebody where that's their kind of mindset yeah and when you're coaching somebody who's got a kind of pilgrim mindset the capacity to be deeper more in a dance you know so so it's as they say it takes two to tango I hear you I, I do hear you and, and I also that, hear what you said about this was different. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like maybe I wasn't ready. Like if I think back to that one experience, maybe it wasn't until that point that I was ready to go there and open myself up to it. But it gets me thinking about um, coaching more broadly. And is <laughs> this is where I'm like, oh, wait a second, is the role of the coach now to perhaps support a client to reach that space and so I'm obviously questioning the whole goal thing and starting at the goal and maybe the goal is the end point and starting to um, get my head around that kind of thinking as well but perhaps the role of because we'll meet people along different <clears throat> different points on the journey, maybe the early part of their coaching journey is really about helping them open up to that deeper space. And maybe there's a skill in being able to do that rapidly. Ah. Oh, so many things you're making. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's just gone off, Claire. It's just gone. Now. It has. It has, and I'm not sure which one... Can I can I just bounce a couple of things? Yeah, go for it. I think that in every coaching conversation, there's a moment. Okay. And I think that pretty much the rest of the conversation is working towards that moment. Okay. And we don't know when the moment's going to be, and we don't know what the moment's going to be about, but usually there's a moment. Yeah. As you were talking 
about the relationship. Yeah. It made me think, ah, is there also a moment in the relationship? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm I've been thinking a lot about about the moment in this in the one session. Yeah. Is that often there's a moment in the one session that's deeply uncomfortable and and the coach has got to be deeply courageous to be able to hold their nerve in that moment. Yeah. And if if the coach can be courageous and the thinker can be courageous, then the moment becomes the moment and the unlocking happens. Right. And that's where I think that's where transformation happens. But as you were speaking, I'm mm-hmm. going, oh, I wonder whether it'd be interesting to just have a look, wouldn't it? whether actually there's a moment in the relationship. Yeah. And that makes me wonder whether in that moment, some coaches can tolerate the discomfort, some thinkers can tolerate the discomfort. And Mm -hmm. and it's a really tricky moment. Yeah. And that's the thing that unlocks it over time in the relationship. And I wonder whether that's what you experienced with that person. Perhaps, perhaps very much so. Um, it was it what we were talking about relationship and relational coaching in fact and I hadn't got the concept because I hadn't felt it ah and and I'm a very much experiential learner and experiential coach so I'm very much in the moment I work patterns I don't tend to work process very rarely work process but I'm starting to go with this relational piece. Maybe you're right. Maybe there is an arc. Oh, sorry, my brain's just sort of firing now. It's, I don't know if it's just one moment. I think like you say, in every session, there's a moment of turning point for a client in terms of what they're working on. I think the relationship has multiple moments of turning, doesn't it? Yeah. And I love that you're nodding with me. So it's like helping me a lot. <laughs> I'm working through this. Um, but as it starts turning, a skilled coach will recognize it, highlight it, and Im- help to embed it. Whereas an unskilled coach or a coach that isn't confident or comfortable with that will will perhaps miss those opportunities, I think. And and the reason I'm saying that is that I recognise the journey that I've been on and I'm still developing this skill, but I'm spotting it a lot quicker with these relationships Ah. and these ways that the the way the client interacts with me is often a demonstration of what they're doing outside. And if I can shift the relationship with me, we can transform how they operate outside as well. So I'm thinking more gestalt. I think it's more gestalt, but I I also go, there's something in working this moment, in this relationship that is as transformational as the thing that we're working on. Mm. And there's also something about showing them how a relationship, the different types of relationship they can have. So often when I work with leaders, it's like, oh, I've got like, there's this figuring out of how to build a relationship sometimes. And I'm like, we've just been talking out of nowhere. Like, if you do this with me, go off and do it somewhere else. So you're using what's happening in the room. Massively. 
as part as well as what they're talking about yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and oh I think it's the NLP piece which allows me to sort of push the boundary on how I do that and I do push the boundary on how I do that in that I use a lot of messaging through the narratives that I share or through what I'm offering into the space what do you mean by messaging so um, within NLP, you have work with Milton Erickson in terms of hypnosis and narrative hypnotherapy almost. And I think we can give clients a bit more freedom to let them know something's okay without going, hey, it's okay to be this way. We can tell a story that has that message within it. And it makes it more easier for a client to hear that or interpret or make the message their own. So it's not forced upon them. But in doing so, opens them up to possibilities of something else. So what does that sound like, look like? Um, I might tell them a story about experience that I've had or a story that I've heard or I might... um, a classic is the whole we make the best decision at the time we make it. So um, a classic that I've used for years and I think I learned it off a course is about how bus might we might wait for a bus. And so if we're waiting for a bus, we've got to be somewhere in, say, 20 minutes. Bus is coming in 10 minutes. The journey is about 10 minutes. Do you walk, which is going to take you 15 minutes, or do you wait for the bus? Either is a valid option. Either would be appropriate. Once you've made the decision, you stick with it. And say you start walking and the bus passes you by, it doesn't mean that decision was wrong. Mm. It's just things have changed now. Mm. And it's sort of like in the same way that I might share a theory or a concept, it's almost putting a narrative around it that allows someone to go, it's not just it's, they get the message about being the best decision, but they'll also make their own interpretations and relate it to their own experience and be able to process something. I don't know what that is, but in telling the story, I've created space for it. Yeah, and that makes me think, you know, what's the least that we need to offer in service of them making their own meaning? Because I love that story. That's a, yeah. That, and and the art is just to let go at that point, isn't it? And to go, oh, I see now. I that means that. Yeah, and I think that 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 tool heavy work mm-hmm. says so. That means, yeah, that right. you could make either decision. Which, you know, it's when the coach makes. So so I love the story as an offer. Yeah. Can I go back to to, to a question that kind of shone out for me when you were talking about that relationship? Yeah. You said it wasn't until I experienced being seen and held that I really understood it. And I just wonder whether you can remember enough. Because the question that I was asking as you were saying that was how much disclosure was there from them? What do you mean by disclosure? How much did they talk about themselves or their stuff? They didn't give an in-depth narrative of what they'd experienced, but they'd given it enough to make it relatable. Ah. Um, and it was light. 
it yeah. was it, and it, what was so beautiful about what they'd done so beautiful about it was they had spoke about their experience of it and the feeling of it and they'd named the feelings that you would feel in those experiences but they'd wholeheartedly not said oh you might be feeling this way but gone I've been through this and this is what I experienced and this is how I felt so I have a sense of what you might be experiencing and that's the thing that I often do is I go, this is mine. And it's not what you're experiencing. I know this is mine. But I wonder how much of this you relate to or what this now brings up for you. So there's two different things going on there, aren't there? Both of which are interesting. Because disclosure was the... As you were talking, I was thinking... When you first mentioned the relationship, I was thinking, and I bet they weren't disclosing... Because mm-hmm. what I hear, what I think I hear you saying is they were connecting enough, yeah, that there was a human-human connection. That this is another, this is an experience that I've been through, yeah, w- without it becoming a disclosure, right? But I guess it's where's the line on the, the disclosure, right? So I work with some people and I, I'm fairly open about the fact that I've been bullied in the workplace on a couple of occasions, that I've I'm now diagnosed with ADHD and the journey that took me on and that I've had a mood disorder. Um, and I talked about my relationship with perfectionism and stuff like that. And I, I don't go into the depths of what I experienced, but I do name it. And I do acknowledge in the space how challenging that was for me and perhaps what my turning point was. You named that you're a human. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because clients have this lovely way of putting us on a pedestal. Yeah. Do you know that's a word? Pedestaling. Is it? Yes. It's my, it's my new word of 2022. <laughs> I heard it. I thought, what an amazing word. Yeah, they do. They pedestal us. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess I, in that partnership piece, because I want it to be a true partnership, and I don't think you could ever quite get there in my mind because they've always come to us for support. Um, But I think you can level it more so by doing some of this stuff. Ah, I level it. I think so. I, I it's this um equality in relationship mm. that and it and it's what it ha- also brings about and I love when my clients do this, I'm like they go, right, we've hit a point now in the relationship. I think this is the point, is when they challenge me back. And I'm there going. I thought I was the one asking the questions and the tables turn and it Mm. shocks me because they've hit on something and I'm there going, it's not my space to answer this, but I can't not respond. Mm. So I do respond and I, I acknowledge it and I sort of go, look, you're hitting on something. There's something there for me, but I'm not convinced this is space for me to explore that. Mm. This is the space for us to explore your stuff what do you want to do here? Do you want me to talk more about this? Where do you want to take this? What do you want to do? And I 
I'm opening myself up more to that. And actually, it's really fascinating when that happens, when the client challenges me back. And it's beautiful. And that's about you being vulnerable and human. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is human to human connection. It is. And when the connection isn't there. Uh Uh-huh. I think when the connection isn't felt mm-hmm. by them, yeah, those moments of transformation are really difficult to find because trust isn't high enough. Agreed, agreed. But it was something that you'd said early on. And I don't think I got, I don't know if I caught the right word. Um, the word that's coming up for me is abuse, but it's not abuse. It's the toxicity that can exist within a coaching relationship when the coach holds that barrier yeah and it's I think it's when it's it's not it's a really tricky thing isn't it because we're in partnership it's about them right we're a human Uh uh-huh it's not I'm sorted and you're not right which it can feel like a lot in some And in order for them to be vulnerable, we have to be a bit vulnerable. You know, Brene Brown said that um, vulnerability is the first thing I look for in someone else in order to trust them. And it's the last thing I'll disclose. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So how do... And then we have performance anxiety. We're new coaches. Mm-hmm. We've got performance anxiety. We're worried. We want to do it properly. We've got all this information about how wow. to coach brilliantly. And we're trying to be human and all these things all at the same time. It's 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 a really difficult balance. But but for me, that bit is the bit that is the bit you described when you yeah. talked about it be feeling seen and feeling heard. Yes, very much so. And it's I had a really interesting session recently and I caught myself in it and afterwards and it's bothering me. So it's going to go to supervision as well. But this, I felt that I'd overstepped the bounds by being a feeling that I was being dismissive in some ways of what the client was sharing. And that's, you know, that's not my style, but also recognizing in the technique of going, a client can get caught up in getting labels and attaching to something that isn't truly there as well. And as I was, I've been reflecting on it, I was like, have I overstepped the bound so much to be directive, overly directive here? Or have I created an opportunity for the client to let go of what they think is going on and to restart to get to the heart of what is happening. And it's in those moments that this partnership, this relational piece for me is hugely challenged because I I sit there and I'm like, I'm not justifying this to myself, which means I feel like I've done what's in best service of my client. The relationship is building, we're connecting. But could I have done that a whole lot better? And I think I can do it better. Mm -hmm. So even when I'm 
I'm I this bit about these techniques, these ways, these bypassing, this different approaches, and the relationship still being held, I still think there's ways of building those relationships very quickly and almost I guess I'm struggling to articulate myself here but work the pattern more quickly as well I think there's sometimes in coaching we get stuck in a relationship takes time to build it takes time to work through certain things I don't think it does I and that's it I'm the same I'm like why do we have to take time why don't we just go for it as long as we contract appropriately and we check in with the client and we offer it why wouldn't we just put stuff out again put stuff out there yeah I I think that sometimes that's true yeah sometimes it honestly really genuinely does take time Mm -hmm. but but one of the difficulties about it taking time is that that all the time you're modeling what coaching is okay and you're not doing the work because you're building the relationship and now they think coaching is about building the relationship so why would they do any work because because the understanding is that this is a kind of getting to know you thing like a date (laughs) yeah and that and then you have a second date and then you have a third date and then it's awkward because you don't know if you want to have a date or not but actually there's something about we're here to 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 connect to dance to do some really amazing stuff yeah and I think part of that is about our courage you know you've talked about vulnerability but there's something about how brave am I to, to test out whether we can do something here or not rather than thinking we can't because we don't know each yeah. other enough and trust isn't high enough because it might be yeah it's 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 really interesting I think um that word brave because often sometimes um it gets misinterpreted to confidence yeah and it's not confidence because you can do this at any point even when you're actually when you're feeling uncomfortable and you're lacking confidence it's often when you're being your most brave um I've been really lucky in that uh, one of my first supervisees <laughs> and I forever love her for this turned up to our first session and said to me right I said to myself I'm going to be brave I'm going to show you all the stuff and I was like they're floored almost that this person was willing to show up in this way and they were being brave which meant I started to be brave with them ah. And I think that's what happens in coaching as well as the coach is brave and demonstrates some of these qualities. I do think the client responds to that. Mm. And I remember really, really early on in my coaching journey when I was training, there was a very significant period where I stayed at a very functional um, performance level, but performance structured level because I was scared of what they might do and could I handle it. And the moment I let go of that, you would not believe, and like pretty much every client just suddenly dropped into a deeper space without question, because I suddenly, there was a felt sense that I created, I think, that suddenly when I'd released that bit of myself, 
they just opened up in a way that I could never have expected. That connects to so many things that you've said. Yeah. You said you said earlier something about what's happening in the space in between us is what's happening out there. Yeah. And then you said, so when I'm brave, they're brave. Mm-hmm. I have never heard anyone say the converse of you. You basically have given a really useful and important sentence that the coaching world needs to hear, I think, which is when I'm cautious, yeah. they are cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when those transformational moments are really hard to find, isn't it? Because I'm yeah. being cautious. And so in that moment, when it gets a bit uncomfortable, I'm going to take the cautious way out and they'll get an outcome, but it will be a bit transactional. Yeah, it's. I was thinking about this conversation, obviously, before we had it and I was there going. I recognize and I have to recognize that I've had accelerated learning. I've had accelerated um, training in terms of what I've done. Um, and the opportunities that I've had and I spot these things I can hold these things and I can hold the boundaries on these um, without thinking about it but I also recognize for a newer coach that where I'm saying being brave and putting myself out there and just going for it there is a risk that they inherently have of going too far because they don't recognize what the impact of that is and some of that you have to learn through coaching and through the experience of it but there's also a significant risk of impact to the client in these approaches Mm -hmm. because there's a taking over risk yeah one of the questions that I think is useful around offering something is Mm -hmm. who am I offering this in service of yeah because if I was at a party and somebody says, this is my experience, you go, oh, yeah, that's happened to me too. Yeah. And actually, and then and then the conversation becomes about me or the other whoever else said it. Whereas in coaching, it's about what's the least that I need to offer mm-hmm. in service of this connecting thing. And for them to understand that I'm also a human yeah um so so my daughter is autistic and Mm -hmm. that's you know she's out there about it and all of that kind of stuff and I have sometimes been working with somebody who's been talking about a situation and I've said it might be useful to you for you to know that I also have that in my family Mm -hmm. and that's all I say yeah it's what you said about ADHD, you know, oh, thank goodness. And then they make of that whatever they choose to make of it. But actually, it's about it's about it just enough and not too much. And sometimes I think we're going to we're going to go too much by mistake. Yeah. Sometimes we offer too much because then they go, oh, tell me all about it. And we go, oh, yeah, let me. Yeah. Yeah. It's I guess the tricky thing. <laughs> Where everyone's different, where the coach is different, how do we know what too much is? Yeah. And I I don't think we ever quite do. 
And that's, I apologize to all your listeners who might be going, just tell us the answer. Um, but I don't think there is a way of knowing until you've crossed it. Yes, exactly. And that's when that, that the person we work with then is our teacher. Because <laughs> with yeah. that client, we might have blown it now. We might not, but we might have. Yeah. But that's the only way that we're going to begin to find out where the sensor is for the boundary. Yeah. And it is a sensor, right? It's different for each person until you almost calibrate it and align to that person and build that. And it's, you can, you can spot it. Once you've built the sensor within yourself, you can calibrate that a lot more quickly. Except when you miss. (laughs) Isn't that so frustrating, though? Like, even as an experienced coach. Yeah, but let's go back to what we said at the beginning, that we're not bots, we're humans, and and we make mistakes, and we will. Yeah, absolutely. I make mistakes, you make mistakes, you think, oh, my goodness, I could have blown that. Because because it's not, we're not a machine. Right. We're fallible. We're absolutely fallible. Um, And (laughs) I think... I think if I didn't, if I stopped when I made big mistakes or even made mistakes, God, that would have happened so early on. I just, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be the coach that I am today. And I, it's that reflective practice. It's talking it through. It's, I have peers that I can um, get support from my staff as well as the support I have through supervision and all the rest of it. But it's it's also building the sensitivity to know that you've gone too far. Because I don't think everyone can see that. Yeah. And that's why recordings are good. Yeah. Um, and the thing I love about watching recordings with coaches, and in fact, I when I'm doing supervision, I mm-hmm. I ask the people I'm supervising to bring a recording once a year. Nice. Yeah. Because when you record on zoom with gallery view with both people uh-huh. on reflection with someone else keeping you company you can usually see where you overstepped now that of course that's a lesson that you then learn yeah you can't undo that overstepping and next time you get to the boundary mm-hmm. it won't look like that it'll look like something else <laughs> always does it always does but hmm. But getting a, a sensor, it's interesting because sensor comes from sensing, yeah. doesn't it? Not from knowing. Right. It's because I wrote it down when you were talking. I, I, I wrote down what's <laughs> too much sensor. But sensor comes from sensing, not from knowing or... So it's not a, it's not a head thing. It's a, it's a feeling your way into it thing. So you can't have a head rule... I think there's, is it all in, so I'm I'm very led by the emotional connection and this, that sense of this intuitive sense within now, <laughs> not in the beginning now. Um, but I, I do almost have a catalogue of patterns that allow me to spot things so the mm-hmm. sensing is related to something for me um 
there oh god i feel like it's i almost use that intuitive sensing to spot it when i'm working at my edge because i haven't figured some of it out or i haven't been able to reflect on it or i haven't noticed it like i haven't cataloged it within myself in some way but that's probably when i am truly wholeheartedly working at the edge of my skill set can i ask a really direct question which you can say you don't want to answer (laughs) you can ask (laughs) i wonder if that's from your superpower of adhd that pattern spotting and i i do i've always um pattern spotting the skill of it yes i think it's it's very natural to me to do it um knowing what pattern i'm seeing and having uh, that is something i've had to build mm. um and from nlp they talk about it being meta programs i think it's referred to as different things in different places like the filters the um they're almost some of our scriptings essentially those are the things that I often look for so I tend not I work with the content of what someone's sharing but that's not often my focus Mm. and that's what works for me as a coach so there's super noticing I like that you're saying that okay take that as a compliment I I I do see things that I suspect other people don't but I do believe that they can develop the ability to do that if they don't mm. have it already. Mm. But, and we all have different preferences, don't we? Because some, yes. some people coach from the head, some people coach from the heart, some people coach, somatic coaches use yeah. their, you know, people use different bits of themselves in there. And the, and the art, I think, is to make sure that we're not entirely one of those because we need all of them, even though one of them will be our preference. And I think... It, it's some of this that I feel we ideally want to be bringing into the coaching space. Yeah. Because if I didn't share in the way that I shared, if I didn't bring myself, if I didn't offer in the way that I offer, I'd be working with a hand tied behind my back. Yeah. And what you're describing is not advice or fixing. No. And often bringing something into the room is about, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. Whereas what I'm sensing you're saying is, have you noticed this? Am I doing that? Um, Yes, I think that is what I'm doing. And that's... That is a completely different yeah. page, chapter, book from is it okay to offer advice, suggestions, whatever. What you're although I'm going to catch myself on this. Because I'm loving the compliments, by the way, Claire. I I'm falling into that trap of going, oh, it's lovely to hear oh, this. Does. Um but I do recognize that in some of my coaching where we where I'm doing career coaching or I'm doing um, support for applications, interviews, that type of thing, I've got 10 years of experience there. That's, You're about to say something. That skills coaching 
yes not transformational coaching right so I would say that's more like the driving instructor coach Mm -hmm. so when you learn to do a a, what do they call it now not a three-point turn a reverse whatever a change direction using forward and reverse (laughs) gears or whatever they call it when you're about to do that you know that you want to make the car face the other way but you don't know how to do it and the 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 driving instructor coach needs to needs to give you a bit of stuff you know why do people come for career coaching and application coaching because they don't know how to do it right and I also do that yeah and there'll be transformational bits in it Mm -hmm. and at the beginning when you say how are we going to do this they go I don't know because they came because they thought you need to know and I just say well it might be that you haven't got a clue what you want to do. It might be that you've got a clue, but you don't know how to apply for it. It might be that you don't know how to communicate who, how, what your skills are. It might be about the paperwork. It might be about the interview. It might be any of those things. Yeah. And then they go, oh, I'll have that bit. <laughs> it's. I really appreciate you sharing that because this is often where I've um, I've challenged myself and gone, are you coaching when you do some of this stuff? Are you coaching? But you I'm are in all of it you are so um in the book with the longest title in the world <laughs> um I can't remember what it's called the one by Hawkins and Smith mm-hmm. coaching mentoring and organizational consultancy something 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 <laughs> book there's a little picture yeah which is a continuum of coaching it goes from skills coaching developmental coaching transformational coaching and it says it's a spectrum they talk about a spectrum there are four I can't remember what the fourth one yeah. is but but when you're doing career coaching yeah. a lot of it is at the skills coaching end of that spectrum and some of it is at the transformational end yeah but but the kind of the contract the deal is that they come in wanting the bit at the skills end yeah some people come in not knowing where they want to be on that spectrum and you kind of work it out together right so Please don't think that I coach (laughs) transformationally with every single person I coach because I don't. And sometimes that's because they're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because that wasn't the deal. I had somebody here the other day and it was around. um, It was somebody who was young and wanted to talk about um, confidence in a particular situation. And. I gave them some ideas on how I said, shall I just throw some ideas out? Yeah. And it might be that some of them are useful. So I threw out some ideas and they went, oh, yeah, I think I'll do that one. So I wasn't advising. So I didn't say you need to do this. Yeah. But I also wasn't holding back. It's so tricky, isn't it? Like it is where I'm most conflicted. Um, not because I don't feel, I say, I do sometimes feel like I'm not coaching, but I also go when they ask me or we're talking about motivational, how to respond to motivational questions. I'm like, this is how I see it. Like, what does that do to what you're doing? So it does still stay within that realm of coaching. But I think this is where I'm having to redefine what coaching is for myself. Because... I feel that when we have knowledge, experience and expertise, 
it's I feel wrong for holding back on it but I also recognize the impact it could have on the client in me sharing it and we're back to the what's your too much sensor question aren't we can I offer something of course you just said this is how I see it Mm. and I wonder what would be different if you said is it useful if I offer how I might see it yeah the reason I resist I am resisting that I'm massively resisting it and I think part of it is I think you get to a point in a conversation or a relationship where you just ask them this question for the sake of asking it in coaching I think there's an initial contracting figuring out how you work together bit of that where that question would be asked but I all oh god it's so tough isn't it the joys of working with other coaches is that they go well I did this and I kept doing it and it's amazing and I'm like what, are you, what am I missing yeah. and maybe I do need to try it out but then the resistance is that's if I'm resisting it there's something there um but there's something about me wanting to hold on to my style of doing it I really hear that and there's also something I think in partnership that is always asking permission I've got a blog there's a blog coming out I don't know if it's coming out tomorrow actually Mm. um it's uh about you know, imagine that you that you and I agree that we're going to go to the cinema every week and we're going yeah. to watch all of the James Bond films. And that's what we've agreed. We're going to watch yeah. all the James Bond films. So every week we're going to see a James Bond film. And then one week, there's another film on on the other screen that looks like, it looks really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we agreed we were going to go and watch the James Bond films. So... So I, I would want to ask permission then. I would want to go, Nisha, there's this other film on screen four. <laughs> shall we go to James Bond or shall we go to this? So there's something, yeah. I think, about, about, about regularly asking, about checking in, because for me, the, the risk is people perceive us to be leading when we don't think we are. Yeah. And if they think we're leading, they'll follow us, even if we didn't think we were leading. Okay, so what you did there beautifully with the cinema, that's the kind of narratives I drop into my coaching because it lands the message, right? It gives you something, right? Um, Are we wrong to lead in coaching? That needs That's to be another a completely different. Isn't it, really? That's another podcast. Because <laughs> there are lots of schools of thought which say we do lead. I think inheritance. I think you're kind of going to at some point in terms of just the setup of coaching. Yeah, I think we have to agree to disagree there. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh. Because I think that the outcomes are different mm-hmm. when the coach is leading than when when the thinker is doing all the work. Agreed. I guess from my perspective, I'm there going, 
what do they not see if they're doing all the work? That's an interesting question. Maybe that's a really great question to finish <laughs> on. What do they not see when they're when they're doing all the work? Yeah, and then that, that that builds on to all sorts of other interesting questions, which is what? How do we work with someone to empower them to see? Right, and I'm I'm not suggesting that we do lead it all or that that's the right approach. I guess I'm holding those different perspectives and going they've each got real value in them and there's opportunity within all of those perspectives and who decides and who has the right to change their mind and and that's it and that's where I think coaching has got space to grow in my mind yeah absolutely which takes us nicely back to what you said at the beginning about working on the edge yeah well Nisha Patel, thank you for the most (laughs) fabulous conversation. How do people get in touch with you if they want to talk more? So um, obviously straight through LinkedIn um, and then my website, happyconnections.co. They're probably the best ways to get in contact. Okay, I'll put that on the show notes. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And I hope you'll come back and have another conversation. I'd love to. I'd love to. I love these conversations. So much fun. Well, there's something about meaning making through dialogue, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. And we need to finish there because I can feel that leading us into another hour. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for coming. I'm Claire Pedrick and I've been in conversation with Nisha Patel. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual hub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.